0: So, of course, it's always good to start with prayer. I'm an outdoor person. I love the mountains. And so the verse that I chose for this was, I will look up to the mountains. That's where my help comes from. The Lord who made the heaven and the earth. So everybody just take a deep breath. And relax for a moment and just Enjoy There's this beauty of those beautiful red trees out there, the picture here, the beauty of God's creation. And let me just pray, and we'll get into our content for our session. Oh Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for the beauty of your creation. We thank you that you are our help and that you are there in times of need. You're with us in the good times and the bad times, Lord. So I thank you for this group that has come here to this session, Lord. I pray for... All the needs that they might have, Lord, whether they come in burdened, whether they come in lighthearted, whether they come in joyful, wherever it is, Lord, you meet them right there. So I thank you for the opportunity to share a little bit um, with them. And again, Lord, we just want to praise and honor you in everything that we say and everything we do. So we thank you for this beautiful day. Your mercies are new. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, Feel better? All right. So a little bit about myself. Um probably TMI. But um, my background is I've been a nurse forever and a day. I'm quite old. And I did a lot of PICU, CVICU. So you'll notice a lot of my pictures have kids in them. And there's a reason for that, um, partly because I'm a peds nurse. But that is really kind of my heart is those vulnerable populations and the ones that maybe can't speak up for themselves. So that's part of um, why I have a lot of kids' pictures, my own children who are now grown and I've got grandkids. give me grief sometimes, but aren't they beautiful? Aren't they just amazing? Um, So that's been, for about 20 years, was the ICU, run around, ECMO, transport, all that fun stuff, and, you know, that adrenaline rush, And but it was a great experience, and I'm very thankful for that. About the last 10 years or so, I kind of shift focused a little bit more to community development and been able to Um, Do a lot more about that. For those that are not familiar with community health evangelism, it takes some of that community development um, process. And there's probably a booth out there that talks a little bit about that. You can get training on that. It's a great platform um, and tool in your toolbox to um, deliver health care messages and that kind of thing. And the next thing that I started getting involved with in writing curriculum and planning for was academic service learning. So that's one of the buzzwords out there when you're an academic. And what I didn't say is that I teach at California Baptist University, which is about an hour east of Los Angeles. So I teach there. And because of our connections um, overseas, we take teams of students over majority of the time it's short term and um, do community development projects in alignment with whatever the needs are for that community. So that's kind of a little bit, perhaps more than you wanted to know about me, but that's um, where my area of expertise comes in. So what you saw, perhaps, in the program is the purpose of this session, which is really looking at ways to integrate the Lord's call. And I have a friend of mine that talks about the call. And we just heard, if you were in the plenary session, about the call. And my friend kind of reverses that a little bit. How many of you would feel like you were called to nursing? Raise your hand. First, I should do a, how many of you are nurses? Raise your hand. Okay. Anybody here not nurses? Just along for the ride? Is that... (laughs) got dragged along. (laughs) That's okay. Um, Thank you for coming. So, okay, so the majority of you guys are nurses. Do you, how many of you feel like you were called to nursing? Some, maybe. Okay. So a friend of mine once said, you know, we think about sometimes our profession as our calling. I was called to nursing. And historically, nurses were felt, they came to nursing because they were called. But in reality, our call is to follow Jesus. So the big C in our life is to follow Jesus. The little C is all the other gifts and talents and profession and things that God has given us, tools in our toolbox to use in the big C calling. And I think sometimes, especially in our Western culture, we have a tendency to reverse those and think big C is nursing. When in reality, mine should be I'm called to follow Jesus and wherever that. Um, is and whatever that might look like so when we think about that we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, we are created for one purpose to glorify god again in everything we say and do and so that really is important and we get to do that as nurses we get to come alongside people that are hurting um, and struggling and we know that jesus came to serve and he touched the untouchables and we do that as nurses right? There are patients that nobody else wants to touch. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit, but we touch the untouchables. And so we get to use those gifts and talents, just like I said, to come alongside people that are um, suffering. And so all disciplines, we all get to do that, not just nursing, of course. So we're going to look at a few practical ways to use our discipline as well if you can't hear me, if I turn my head, I apologize. I'll try to stay straight on. So, of course, I believe there might be CEs for this session. I'm not really sure. I didn't check back. But if there are, um, here's our course objectives, because, of course, for CEs, you have to get some course objectives in there. So that's what these are. Recognize ways to provide evidence-based care in a God-honoring way and discuss servant leadership. And in the plenary, she just talked a little bit about servant Um, and being a servant in training. So that will be something we also look at here. So what is your purpose? I just kind of threw something out there. Our purpose is to glorify God. That is why we were created, to glorify Him. And so when I think about that, now I work at, I told you I work at CBU. Um, Our motto, one of our mottos is, find your purpose or live your purpose. And so, we really are all about that with our students. But as believers, we should know what our purpose is as well. And so, kind of stopping and thinking about that for each one of you. What is your purpose? Where are you? How can God use you to the best of your ability? What gifts and talents do you have? You all are amazing. You all have unique gifts and talents that nobody else has. And so, we get to do that in our profession. So... Why did you go into healthcare or into nursing since most of you, um, have that, uh, background here? I already asked how many of you feel called. How many of you like to help others? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, I got, I went into nursing because I can get a job anywhere. Anybody? Uh, I see. <laughs> There's an honest person. <laughs> um, I actually kind of thought along those lines, oh, I can go anywhere and get a job. Uh, care for the vulnerable and Social justice or any of those type of things. Okay, I see a few. Is there anything else? Anybody want to throw anything else out there? Any other reasons you went into nursing? Versatility. Versatility. All right. Yeah, we can, job, we can work in the hospital setting. We can work in the community. We can work here in the U.S. We can work overseas. We can work for, uh, lots of different um, ways and places. So if you haven't, how many, this is your first time at GMHC? Ah, you need to go to the exhibit hall because, um, one of the reasons you might have gone into healthcare might be to serve. And it could be short term, long term, but those organizations that are out there, they can hook you up. And if you didn't already fill out your little portfolio on the website, you need to do that because they really do have some great ideas on, um, and ways to fit. Again, thinking back to what is your purpose? So, the root of this was um, called or caring, caring for the vulnerable, perhaps, and that was one of the course objectives. So, when we care for others, um, this is kind of out of that scripture of thinking about the hungry and the thirsty and clothing the naked and giving shelter to the homeless. That is what we get to do. So, not only with food, but our love and our kindness, uh, perhaps with peace and justice, demonstrating dignity. We get to do that as nurses, and sometimes that's really hard as nurses. Patients come in, if you're in a hospital setting, and what do we take away from them? Everything, right? We take away their clothing. How do we maintain dignity when we've taken away their clothing and put them in the lovely hospital gown? Right? How do we maintain their dignity when we've taken away their choices for food, what they get to eat? We take away some of that. So we need to be very intentional about the way we restore that dignity for our patients. Also, when we think about caring, the idea is um, being able to recognize value and the worth in that person, that fellow image bearer of God in front of you. We need to honor that in everything that we do. So showing that um, that patient really matters... We get to do that as well. Now, sometimes, especially in the hospital setting, we get really busy in our tasks, right? You got to do stuff. You got your nine o'clocks, your ten o'clocks, your eleven o'clocks. You got to get stuff done. You got to hang the med. You got to, da da da, right? But there's a person. There's a fellow image bearer of God, who we get to honor and respect in circumstances that are made them very vulnerable. And we've taken some of their rights and privileges perhaps away. And so how can we take that time to restore that? So being able to really recognize some of the subtle changes in our patients. We do that anyway, right? We assess all the time. But really paying attention to some of that. Maybe it's just body language. Being a peds person. Anybody the peds people out there? Yay. Not very many. Um, <laughs> we can't always, they can't always tell us right? What's going on with them. So it's facial expressions. And even sometimes in our elderly population or others that perhaps have a traumatic brain injury or other reasons, they can't tell us what's going on. But there might be some other subtle ways we can figure out um, in a non-pandemic year. Perhaps it's the family member that is there helping us understand what is going on with that patient as well. So compassion. Compassion is part of this. And again, when we're talking about integrating faith, which is the topic for our day, deep empathy, um, crying, as long as you're not a little puddle of tears in the in the bathroom, you know, after you've taken care of a patient, or at least you're able to cry. I was working in the ICU. We saw lots of tragic things, and I usually was able to get through my shift pretty well, but then out to the car, I was in the car before i drive home, that's when all the tears, you know, would come. And that's okay, as long as I'm not staying in that little puddle Right. And being able to move forward with what I'm doing. So the way that we treat people, um, again, the hungry, the poor, showing that compassion, actively listening. They're all what we would call holistic. That's all holistic care. And it goes beyond just the tasks of what we do every day. So listening, do I really listen? I can't tell you how many times I've told uh, or heard. I would often be the person uh, responding to the code blues, and the mom would say, nobody listened. I was telling them that something was going on that was different, that was wrong, but nobody listened to me. And perhaps that code could have been prevented. Maybe, maybe not. But if we really listen, then we understand what's important to that patient too. Why aren't they taking that medicine? Is it because they don't think a germ caused their disease? Do they think that they did something wrong and they deserve to be sick? Do they believe in spirits or some other cause for their disease? Really understanding helps us understand who that person is and building bridges is way more important um, than anything. And really the uh, title of the presentation has to do with best practices and best evidence, right? So evidence bears that out as well. Listening to uh, the reasons that people make those choices improves patient outcomes. So any of you in leadership out there, you are looking at those patient satisfaction scores if you're in the hospital setting, that really is important. And so if we really listen and really show that care and compassion to people, then um, patient satisfaction scores improve and patient outcomes are better as well. Not just a little bit, but by quite a bit, the research shows. Now, I think about this when I think about listening, um, when I was overseas. Knowing Bible stories really helps, too. Sometimes when you're um, sharing, let's say, in a certain situation, you've, you've heard a story from a, a patient. So we were doing health lessons in India, and it was women's health, and we talked about the bleeding woman. So using, and that's part of the CHE training, is you learn how to use Bible stories in health education and other education um, modalities. But we were teaching about the bleeding woman, and we had just done health lessons, and a woman came up to us afterwards, and she said, I'm that woman. I've been bleeding for a very long time. Can you help me? (laughs) And this was just a little tiny clinic in a very remote slum. And we went, oh, okay, I don't really have the tools that I need. Or don't I? We stopped and we prayed for that lady. We prayed over her as a group. And then we left that particular village. And later we came back and found out that she had been healed. So when we think about Nursing, we're so focused sometimes on the science of nursing, which is important, and you need to know all that stuff. But there's so much more to nursing and understanding that miracles do happen. And that is amazing. And sometimes we get to witness that, and that's even more fun. So when I think about stories and storytelling, you have all amazing gifts and talents, like I said, but you also have a story. So your story is unique. So sometimes our story can also be a bridge to the gospel. So depending on where you work, and I know some of you might be working currently in a secular environment, but if you do serve in a cross-cultural context, whether that's here in the States or overseas somewhere, you can use your story. Nobody can argue with your story and how God has used you and changed you and made you a different person and transformed you. Right. So stories are so powerful. And again, in our Western culture, sometimes we don't value stories perhaps as much as we could. And so I would challenge you to think about how do I use my story or do I or can I? What opportunities do I maybe have to be able to do that? So some of you might have said when you raised, I asked you if you raised your hand, caring for the vulnerable. That was one of the reasons, perhaps, um, like myself, going into this particular profession. So there's a couple books out there that kind of talk about this idea of when I enter a patient's room or that space, let's say I'm going into someone's home, and I've done this before, too. You go into someone's home, and you're going to pray with them, and maybe you've brought them some food, or you're doing some kind of a health teaching lesson. Um, That is holy ground. Do I think of my patient's room as holy ground? Probably not, because I'm too busy trying to get my 9 o'clock and my 10 o'clock and my 12 o'clock and everything done. right? But every encounter that we have with our patient is entering a potential holy space, a special place where you and the other person are having an interaction. And God's there, too. The Lord is with us in all of those situations, the hard, hard ones, and um, all of those situations. So being reminded of that, I think, is really important. And sometimes we feel inadequate, we might feel defeated, but God is always with us. And he gives us those new mercies every single day. When we, when we think about mercies, um, remember the Israelites got enough manna for that day. And then they got enough manna for the next day, in that day. And then manna for the next day. God's mercies are like that too. We get his mercies are new every single day for that day. And then we get new mercies for the next day. And we get joy for that day. We get love for that day. We get all those attributes from God for that day. And he is amazing and gets us through all of the things that we have to face on a day-to-day basis. So who are the vulnerable besides kiddos? What are some other vulnerable populations that you guys might take care of or know or think about? Raise your hand or just shout some stuff out. Sorry, elderly. Yep, elderly. What else? The homeless, absolutely. What else? Or who else, I should say? Disabled. Yeah, absolutely. Addicts, yes. So we care for vulnerable patients all the time. And again, whether that's here, in the US, or if we're serving overseas somewhere, there's lots of vulnerability out there in the different populations. So besides kiddos, some of you already said some of these populations as well. So we have ethnic minorities, and again, globally, there's ethnic minorities and people, there's caste systems. I think about India, Um, we have immigrant populations, we have immigrant camps, um, lots of different places around the world. We have the homeless that was mentioned. The poor in general, children, women, elderly, are a very vulnerable population. And as a baby boomer who is getting older, you youngsters are going to get to take care of me soon. Thank you very much in advance. Um, But we know that the population is aging, right, and living longer. So, um, and then with that aging comes things like dementia and some other things. I apologize to my kids already, saying sorry if I get there, but, you know. But these other populations, too, we think about teen moms, you mentioned disabled, um, substance abusers, college students. How many of you are in college right now? Yes. Do you feel vulnerable sometimes? Yes. So for different reasons than perhaps some of the other reasons that these populations are vulnerable. But there is some vulnerability in that. There's lots of other, I mean, we could make this list even longer and longer, but thinking about caring and thinking about Um, How we can do the best that we can for all the people that God puts in front of us is really important, I think. So showing love to those that are vulnerable ties back to that first objective. Research does show that if we show that love, and it can be, um, because we have great colleagues that work alongside us that perhaps aren't believers, so altruism, right, that's part of being a nurse as well. But we get to show the love of Jesus and be that light in a really dark place as fellow image bearers of God, we can show love to all the vulnerable people. Um, These pictures kind of show a little bit about that vulnerability. I'll start with um, Matthias. This is in a place called the Seva Ashram. It was in India, and it's a house for the destitute, very similar to the place that uh, Mother Teresa worked, where they would um, drive into Delhi, and they would pick up people that are dying on the side of the road, and they would bring them to the Seva, and If possible, rehabilitate them, um, give them the medications. Most of them had TB, although there were other things as well, and um, care for them. And if they survived, then they became uh, part of the group there on site, and they would learn a profession and be able to give back to society. And they heard the gospel every single day. And so um, that was the reason that we were there. So in this particular um, patient, He had, uh, oftentimes they have bug bites and things that will indurate or they'll get wounds and they just don't heal. So this particular wound had maggots that were coming out of it. It's a good thing we're after lunch, I suppose, but we're nurses. Um, And, sorry, (laughs) the non-nurse in the room, nurses. Uh, We, um, one of the normal treatments that they use for maggots to kill them is to pour gasoline over the wound now you can just imagine what that would feel like in an open wound. So they couldn't do that because this particular wound was on the man's face and it had indurated as well. So Matthias was taking his forceps and manually pulling out the, man, the maggots every single day that that particular man was there at the Seba. Um, he did not survive. Um, however, he heard the gospel. And I don't know what the outcome was as to whether he decided to follow Jesus, but he definitely heard the gospel in the midst of that vulnerability.
1: The other picture
0: is uh, we would go to the homeless encampments. We think about um, some of those that we have here in the U.S., but this is also in India. We would go to those encampments and get uh, permission from the families to take the kids to a little school down the road. And we would teach uh, health lessons. Sometimes nursing doesn't look like nursing when you're serving in other places. Sometimes it looks like uh, playing games with little kids. Sometimes it looks like coloring with little kids. Sometimes it looks like moving a pile of rocks from over here to over here. I see some smiles back there because perhaps you've done that, and you're building a wall. Or we built a chicken coop one place. I mean, you just do whatever is needed. And uh, we always go serving under the umbrella of a church or an organization as well. So that is caring for the vulnerable. And, again, we could have lots of different examples of what that might be. But it's all about reference. Do I really honor that person that's in front of me? Maybe. So some of you went into nursing for the professional side, right? Our professional values that we have in um, nursing and healthcare in general do also have some of these similar ideas. So respecting the worth of each person, advocating for our patients, promoting equitable access to fair care, um, being accountable, protecting our communities, and again, being, uh, demonstrating integrity. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching. And we talk about that in nursing. Again, whether we're working at a faith-based organization or a non-faith-based organization, those are part of the values that really structure what it is that we do. So um, perhaps some of you think about um, justice issues, and maybe that falls into your idea of nursing. Excuse me. So what are the biblical values? What's, what are some words that come to mind? I know I've probably thrown a few out there, but what are words that come to mind when we think about biblical values related to caring for people? Any thoughts? Responsibility. Responsibility. That's a big one. Action. Yeah. Especially when we have the 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, all the stuff due, right? But even more than that, right? Any other thoughts? Compassion, absolutely. Oh, dear brother's keeper. That's an interesting one. Do you know, as nurses, um, we are required to be good Samaritans. We don't. You know, our, our friends and family don't need to do that. We're required to help people. So um, that's a lot different than a lot of people that we may or may not know. So what you may or not may not also know, um, although those of you in college might have heard some of this, uh, nursing in general was built on biblical foundation, right? You can travel around the world. I was so surprised when I was in China in the university I was teaching in, and they had a big old bust of Florence Nightingale, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. But when you look at the history of missions, then you will see that there really is a correlation between a lot of the churches around the world that were established. By missionaries. Now, they may have swayed and uh, moved on from that, but some of our universities here in the US as well started as faith based universities and they've kind of, perhaps some of them have moved from that. But we can look at um, people historically have cared for others in the Christian worldview. So when Jesus came along, what was so revolutionary about him is he cared for untouchable people. He hung out with people nobody else wanted to hang out with before you really were left to die on the side of the road. And he said, no, we need to care for those vulnerable people. And so being able to pull them into hospitals, now, you know, nurses originally were men and because they were the priests and, and some of those people. And then it moved into more of a female um, dominated. Thank you, gentlemen, for those that are here as nurses. Uh, We need more of you. And um but it really is interesting historically when we start looking at uh how Western nursing developed out of a Christian worldview. Even our laws, right, in the United States, don't kill people, they're all based on a Judeo-Christian value system. So that's part of what that overlap is. And we really are meant to be, um, we're created in the image of God and we're meant to be in relationship with other people as well. And that's what made this last year and a half, maybe almost two years now, um, getting closer to that, uh, so hard, right? Because that relationship piece was affected by everything that has happened. So when I think about everybody being worthy of honor and respect, again, thinking about our biblical values, even our code of ethics in nursing talks about these very same things. So recognizing that our patient might be suffering and maybe even seeing them as a broken and bleeding Jesus. That's kind of how Mother Teresa did her work, was that's a broken and bleeding Jesus in front of me, even when it's really hard. And anybody been to India? It's really smelly there. You it, Every sense... All five senses, when you go to places like that, are involved in what you see, what you hear. It's very loud, and there's lots of odors. But that's how she was able to do what she did, and why the Seva Ashram and those other types of places, homes for the destitute, are still there and thriving. Because that's a bleeding, hurting Jesus in front of me that I get to take care of. So again, integrating my faith with tools in my toolbox that God has given me. We get to protect and enhance and restore um, patients' dignity. Remember, we take away all their clothes and their food um, and anything else, it seems like. So how I can do that Um, by honoring them, covering them, and demonstrating God's love. So we've had a very chaotic time, right, the last 18 months or so. How can we show human dignity in the midst of that chaos? What are some things that you guys might do to show that? It's my teacher's showing. I have questions for you. What do you guys think? Ask. That's right. Ask what's important to them. Because what's important to me might not be important to them. You know those whiteboards that we all now have? They were meant to be kind of a communication thing, but they were really meant for the patients. The patient's goals. Not my goals as the nurse, but the patient's goals. So again, whether you're here in the States, if you're in the hospital setting, how many of you work in the community? Any community nurses? One? Okay. Community is a little bit different because you're looking at aggregates and populations as opposed to um, a patient and a family. Um, But with... Peds especially, you're not just looking at the patient, you're looking at the whole family. Right? Everything is part of that. So that's a way to show um, honor and dignity and respect is listening to the family. I'm gonna redo a little story and I'm gonna um, and this takes place in the US, not overseas. So there's a patient who had a post op course. He couldn't be weaned from the ventilator, and his wound had dehissed and he was having frequent arrhythmias. His only family member was a son who lived across the country. Sound familiar? It's kind of what we've been living through. Although the son telephoned the nurse's station daily to check on his dad, he was unable to visit. So in report, the nurse comes on, her name's Marta, and she's told that Mr. L is extremely withdrawn. He's very jumpy whenever he's touched. So the nurse given a report said that he follows commands intermittently and he seems to have tuned out the world. Well, if he's on the ventilator and he can't be weaned and his wound just de hissed, well, that might explain perhaps why he's not doing so well mentally. The nurse also says that the staff likes to call him Jakey. And the, Marta says, well, that's kind of a weird name for an older gentleman. How do we know that, uh, that he likes to be called that? And she says, the off-going nurse says, I don't know. I was just called, told to call him that. So Marta walks into the room, and she notices there's a sign over the bed that reads, Legally Blind. Oh, some things are different. Mr. L is lying on his left side with his back to the door. His wrists are restrained, and his eyes are open. So Marta walks up to the bed with um, Mr. L's back to her and says, Good morning. Immediately, Mr. L. becomes very agitated. He's pulling on his restraints, and he's motioning with his hand for Marta to move to the left side of the bed. As she walks around to the bed to the left side, he becomes calmer. She checks his pupils and notices that his right eye is completely clouded over, but his left eye does um, have some vision. It's not clouded. When Marta moves to his field of vision, he focuses on her face, indicating that he does have partial vision in that left eye. Not being comfortable with calling an elderly man, Jakey, Marta to ask him how he would like to be addressed. And because he couldn't speak, he listed to, wrote down some options and had him indicate which one that he preferred. And it was Mr. Bell, Jakey, or Jacob. And he chose Jacob. So all of his staff, the people that had been taking care of him, I should say, um, hadn't even asked him what he preferred to be called that was a lack of showing dignity to a patient, just a preference for what he would want, um, what his name is. So before doing any procedures, Marta spoke to him from that left side. She explained what she was going to do, asked him to help as much as he was able. And then although he was a little bit withdrawn, she was able to have a conversation with him. And he was calm, and he was able to come off the restraints for that shift because she took that extra time to be with him and really listen to what was going on. So that is what we are talking about, obviously, here. In the U.S., we can do that, right? We can show honor and dignity to our patients. Um, I think about this particular human dignity aspect when uh, going overseas as well. So in India, as I mentioned earlier, they have a caste system. They'll say they don't, but it's really... When you see um, the way people interact, it is still in place. And at the Seva Ashram, um, they had brought in a lady, a woman, and she had three kids. And she did have TB, and so she sat off to the side and um, watched my students um, interact with the kids all week long. Just picking them up and loving on them and doing some health lessons and coloring and chalk on the ground and whatever it was that, that they wanted to do. And the mom just sat over on the side watching all week long. And by the end of the week, she said, Why are these young ladies touching my children? Nobody has ever touched my children before. Because in India, they have a caste system, as I said. And the lowest of the low are called the untouchables. And no one does touch them. And so us just scooping up the kids and loving on them and showing the love of Jesus was so foreign to them and something they weren't experiencing before. But we were demonstrating dignity and love for people that had perhaps never experienced that before. I think sometimes we take a lot for granted here in the U.S. as well. So those that are looking to go overseas, um, you do need to be prepared. I think that was uh, mentioned a little bit in the previous um, plenary session about this. This is a Uh, a room in Uganda this was the treatment room now once they found out I was a pediatric nurse and could start IVs pretty well although I really wanted my viewfinder because they have beautiful ebony colored skin and it was really hard to find those uh, veins and they're dehydrated Um, but (laughs) it was kind of fun but look at the treatment room So this one right here is the treatment room. There's a window there. There's a screen. Actually, no screen. Just kidding. There was an open area up on the top, so every evening the mosquitoes come in. So malaria is prevalent there, not only with the population. All the nurses have malaria. They get malaria all the time. The little kiddo that's in that picture has the yellow um, sclera. You can see that um, probably from malaria. There also was no paper towels in the room. You know, we're used to just disposable whatever. And so what they did have were the blue surgical towels. So they would cut the blue surgical towels into fourth and that was in a nice little stack. And so when I needed to dry my hands, then I would just use one of those and put it. There's a little um, bucket contraption at the bottom, and they would just wash them, and we would use them over and over again. So we do take a lot for granted sometimes here in the U.S., but again, how can I show honor and dignity to our patients Um No matter where we are. Here's our ICUs, right? And then nowadays, I think, this is probably a little bit older picture. Some of you would be in your hazmat suits or whatever it is that you're having to wear when you um, gown up for your patient care. I'm really comfortable in this environment. Our patients aren't, and our families aren't either. So when I think about this, my stepmom Whenever my dad needed a procedure or anything, she would drop him off basically at the door, kick drop him out of the car, (laughs) and go park in the parking lot, or go out and get coffee or something. She couldn't stand being in a hospital, ever. It gave her the heebie-jeebies, I think, a little bit, because her mom died in the hospital. So that, for her, was a trigger. For me, I see this and go, okay, let's get to work. Let's do what we need to do. There's still a fellow image bearer of God in the midst of all of that. And doing ECMO as I did, you know, there's tubes and stuff everywhere. Um, And we've done a lot of ECMO this last year and a half on patients. But um, not everybody is as comfortable in that environment as you might be in that environment. So remembering that, whatever that environment is. And if you go overseas, maybe you're the one that's not. as as comfortable in that environment so I think that's something kind of good to remember night shift any night shift people I love night shift it's my favorite get to do whatever I want well kind of Um, you guys know what I mean so um, I could still do that work life balance with family and kids but um, have any of you had to use lanterns for night shift my person that's traveled overseas or in the community I'm guessing yes um So that's not something, again, that we usually have to do, but if you're going overseas, you make do. You make it work. And you do what you can. And that's okay, right? We often, when we take students overseas, they'll say, what's the schedule gonna be? I need to know the schedule. Okay. Here's the schedule. But you know when we get there, you're gonna go like this. And you're going to just toss it right out the window because that's not going to probably be what you end up doing. Because things have changed. There was a rainy season and it just washed out the roads. So we're walking into that village. We're not driving into that village. Sorry. You got to pack all your stuff in, right? So, but isn't that life just in general, too, right? Life throws us curveballs as well. So being able to manage that, I think, um, is important. But when we think about what happens when that job gets too hard, we've seen a lot in this. Last year, especially probably in the last six months, burnout, moral distress, compassion fatigue, all those kind of buzzwords are being thrown out there. I wonder if some of the people that really are struggling with that really are centered in Jesus. Where does my help come from? We started this time with that. Where does it come from? It comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from my own energy. There are many times when I am burnt to a crisp. Who fills my cup? It's not me. Jesus. So being able to be reminded of that is so important. Again, whether you're working here stateside or overseas. Because there really is an art of caring. Um, Some of the literature out there talks about these steps. Acknowledge what you're feeling, recognize that you're at risk, and then turn outward um, toward taking care of yourself, toward God, and then serving. Sometimes Uh, I always, when my kids were junior hires, I'd always say they need to go down to Mexico and do some serving because they've kind of gotten a little entitled and they need a reset button. Reset, reset. Um, so sometimes once I've gotten my cup filled a little bit, then maybe if I serve others, then I'm not going to be so worried about what's going on in my life that's out of my control anyway because God's sovereign and I'm not. Um, I think about in this, uh, picture, we have two opposite worlds. So we have our COVID world that we've all been living through. And then this was on a a lake in Cambodia. And the people that live in those homes, they're boats, they're boat people. They have no nationality. They're Vietnamese and Cambodian and Thai, and they just live on the water. And they don't know anything else besides living on those boats. And most of them are Buddhists, maybe some animistic um, beliefs in there as well. And being able to see those two things and figure out, okay, Lord, here am I, send me, where do you want me to go? What does that look like? Because we can provide comfort in suffering, we can do all those things, but what else? Is there something more? that I could be doing. And again, those booths out there for the exhibit hall, for those of you that raise your hand that first timers, you need to explore some of that and see what it is that maybe God's putting on your heart because that's what else we can do. It's not all about doing. Um, we did mention action is important, but being with people, listening to people, that's important too. So as I mentioned earlier, serving can include teaching English. I've done that before. It has nothing to do with uh, nursing per se. Uh, balloon animals, yes, sometimes there's some of that going on, or other creative things as you're working with kids. Um, and scooping up kids that have never been touched before. Maybe that's part of it as well. I learned an interesting lesson about cure. In our Western culture, we have this mindset that we have to cure everybody. We know we can't do that. And we've seen that even perhaps more in this last year and a half. But I was in uh, Uganda. So that's the far picture over there. And we were going to do some um, medication, vaccine types of things. And we thought, maybe we'll do some wound care while we're there. And so we grabbed... <laughs> We didn't have much. We had hydrogen peroxide, we had some water. You can kind of see them maybe on the table. Um, a few bandages and some tape. And these kiddos would just come and they had, with those flea bites or not flea bites, sorry, um, mosquito bites. They had indurated some of them and they just scratch, 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 scratch. And so they had some gnarly wounds. Or on their feet because they're running around barefoot all the time. They had some gnarly nail. Um, holes and all kinds of crazy stuff. So there was this one kiddo that came in this clinic and he had the biggest wound of all the kids and it had indurated pretty far. And I looked at that wound and I thought I can't fix that. There's nothing I can do. However, I can show the love of Jesus to that kiddo in this moment. And that's all I can do. And that's enough. God is enough. And so I had to go overseas to learn that lesson. Um, I didn't quite get it when I had been just working here. So I think that's really something to also think about is God knows the number of our days, and the number of hairs on our head, um, and he knows that with the person that's in front of you. Whether it's your friend, whether it's a patient here, whether it's someone overseas. So I think that's really important when we think about it. And again, I told you, I've seen miracles. Bleeding women and other miracles have happened overseas, too. Um, Miracles happen here, but I don't know that we often see them. Technology sometimes changes our view, in my opinion. But we can be a light to those um, that are around, all around us. So again, thinking about faith integration and um, what are those boundaries? How do we promote teamwork? These are some of the professional side, but that biblical side is also important. And that really ties into the wholeness of character. This is, again, in the Seva Ashram, and this guy had a wound in his abdomen, and she's pouring in some cleaning solution, and he'd like wiggle around like this and then pour it back out again again. Um, And so that was kind of interesting to navigate that. But being able to integrate your profession, your gifts, your talents with your personal and um, biblical values is, again, what we get to do. That's so honoring of other people and being respectful and honoring of each person that's in front of us. Which brings me to servant leadership. So that's kind of back to the second objective in the content area. So... You probably have heard that buzzword. It's out there. It's in the um, secular literature as well as in um, our literature. So we um, we can serve people. You know, Jesus, as you're familiar with the story, he took that towel and he draped it around his belly and he got down on people's level on, at their feet, at the disciples' feet, and he washed feet. For those of you that have been overseas, those feet, they walk around in flip-flops or they walk around barefoot, those are some dirty feet. Let me tell you, the grime and dirt in the cracks of the feet doesn't come out. But Jesus got down and washed those feet, a job that was fit for servants. And so that's really what, again, I get to do that. I get to wash people's feet feet, or other body parts, perhaps, as well, right? And sometimes it's not fun, and sometimes it's dirty, and it's messy, but that's okay, Anybody familiar with faith community nursing? This is another thing we can do. It used to be called parish nursing back in the day, long time ago, um, but they have now changed it to faith community nursing. And there's training out there. I just did some training um, for it recently, and I'm working on a plan with my church. What you're basically doing is, in partnership perhaps with a hospital or a community and your faith community, your, your church, you are coming up with a plan to um, – meet the health and wellness needs of your congregation. So what that could mean is, and you have to meet with your stakeholders, and if anybody's interested, I could give you more information after we're done about what faith community nursing is all about, but it's cool. Isn't that what we want to do? We want to maybe even have a ministry here. Or when we go overseas, maybe we're using the same model of faith community nursing, where you've got the pastor on board, you've got some other healthcare professionals on board, and you work together to hold health fairs or do health screening of some kind. There's the sky's the limit on what you can potentially do as a faith community nurse. So the training for this is really important because it's holistic. And it includes community assessment, behavioral health types of things, communication, cross-cultural types of things as well, uh, prayer and learning how to be a better -er, prayer with people, and then documentation and how you begin the ministry and that kind of thing. So this is an area of ministry that might be a practical thing that um, some of you could explore. Shalom. Oftentimes, what does this word mean when you guys hear the word shalom? Peace. Absolutely. But you know from an Old Testament point of view, it means much more than peace. It means wholeness. So when the Israelites were um, in shalom with God, it was restoration in um, relationship with God. So when we think about Shalom, it is very important in we use it in faith community nursing as well, but the New Testament version of that word is Irene. So this it's throughout scripture. Is this idea of being able to um, have those Belonging, authentic, nurturing relationships And we were created to glorify God um, Honor God and our neighbor, right? So that's the relationship piece When we think about this idea of Shalom Here's kind of a visual of that So health and wholeness the spiritual aspect, the physical and emotional. And just looking at, from a secular point of view, they will say health is a state of complete physical, mental, social well-being, and not just the absence of disease. I think about, and I share this with people sometimes, my husband has multiple sclerosis. And so um, it's a chronic progressive kind, and eventually that's probably what's going to send him into um, presence with the Lord, but you never know. Um, but he, if you were to ask him... How am I doing? How are you doing today? He would say, I'm fine. You have a chronic, potentially life-limiting illness, and you're fine. But he feels like he's healthy. He's in a right right relationship with the Lord. He has his family nearby. Um, He loves Jesus. And for him, his health is fine. So really understanding and listening to people as well, how do you define health? How do you define health? And it might be that it's different than the way I define it health and wholeness and what that looks like, but all of it can be wrapped up in this idea of shalom. And when you look up the word, there's some of the meanings right here on this slide here. So peace, we as nurses try to get everything tranquil and quiet, right, in our patient's room, even in the ICU. Um, Thriving, I think it's Kaiser out in California has thrive, or is it dignity, health? Anyway, one of those big organizations uses that kind of word, rest. Isn't rest one of the things we also want to promote for our patients? Safety. Oh, my goodness, right? All the research out there about how do we keep our patients safe and prevent falls and all that. Um, Security. That's huge. Our code, let's see, code pinks and codes purples and, uh, you know, little ones being taken. Justice, happiness, health, welfare, wholeness. That's everything we do as nurses right there. Shalom. That's what our goal is as nurses, is to promote Shalom. You guys are probably familiar with the Good Samaritan story, right? So when we think about what we get to do as nurses, we get to be that Samaritan that doesn't pass by that person on the road, that gets to take care of all the people. Um, And I won't read the story to you because you're familiar with it, but you can read it on the slides. Um, The expert is asked who um, of the three was a neighbor And the neighbor was the one that had mercy. Most of you are probably too young for this particular person as well. Um, But when we think about who is my neighbor, um, that is what is promoted here. Go and do likewise. Are we going and doing likewise? Are we caring for those that perhaps no one else wants to care for? So think about your passions. And when you're going in that hall down there, or the one, there's one down here, and there's two floors over in the other building that have exhibit halls, what are your passions? Is it disease prevention, health promotion? Is it vulnerable populations? Is it women and kids? Is it something else? Disaster response? I know sometimes people are like, yeah, I want to go. Usually have to have some experience for that. But um, perhaps that's something that you would be interested in, um, in pursuing. So, to wrap up some things, I have a few more slides. Um, But how we integrate our faith prayer. It's the spiritual disciplines, right? And our plenary speaker just a little bit ago talked about these as well. Read the word, serve, look for opportunities. Um, This was one of the patients in the Seva Ashram. And I just think about, if I'm going to go and do likewise, I'm going to go take care of a patient like that. I think about the vulnerable. I think about um, those that nobody else wants to touch or love or show that to and I think um, entering holy ground and how important that really is. We had a, a patient, it was in the hospital sec- setting, she was um, muscular dystrophy, but nearing the end of her time, and she was sloughing stool, and um, she was about 12, and mom was sitting there, and it that's doesn't smell very nice, right, when that is occurring, because there's blood and other things in that. And um, people were walking by, and they were making comments. Not nice comments. And the mom was just sitting there with tears running down her face. That is not showing honor and dignity to the patients that we see. That is not caring for a patient's feet um, that may or may not be that clean or other parts of their person. So we really are part of this bigger mosaic and... Um, There's a course that you might be interested in. I'm doing a plug for a course. Um, One of my colleagues over here is part of that course we've developed, and it really is about looking at people holistically and the whole narrative of uh, of the Bible. How many have taken the Perspectives course? A couple of you. So Perspectives looks at the Bible as a missional... God is a missional God, right? That's kind of the theme of Perspectives. Well, a piece that was missing just a little bit from that was health and shalom. And so there's now a 10-week course. If anybody's interested, again, you can come up afterwards, and I can give you some information about that, about how we incorporate shalom and health um, in what, what is the biblical narrative and what does it say and what are some great strategies for that because we are a part of this bigger picture. When I did some research, again, thinking about evidence-based practice, this is based on my own research, Um, We were; these were some of the themes that came out. We can provide comfort. We can help families make memories or create meaning. Even in those last moments, we can be there, like really, truly be there with our patients. And it's this idea of progression of caring and perhaps there's an aspect of spiritual health in there. We do laugh through our tears sometimes family members sometimes laugh through their tears but we can still be professional and have that lasting impact i took care of a friend's little kiddo and um, he did end up dying and i kept thinking all she's going to remember is that i was there when he died and she said no i remember everything you did up to that point not just that last moment So, here we are. Here's our Jerusalem. Are you going to go out to your Samaria, Judea, Samaria, or ends of the earth? What does that look like for each one of us? And we've been given that power. We're doing some foot washing again in this particular picture um, to some very fun ladies. You do need to count the cost. There is a sacrifice with that, um, but it's definitely worth it. It's serious But God doesn't call us to be comfortable, right? He calls us to trust him completely. And that's from Francis Chan's um, book, Crazy Love. And I think this is probably one of my favorite verses. I could probably pull up quite a few. But what has God shown us? And when we think about our current climate now, with things so divisive and political and just not fun, this is what I can fall back on. Whether I'm going to serve here in my Jerusalem or my Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth, I can act justly, I can love mercy, and I can walk humbly in that servant leadership mode with every patient that God puts in front of me. Questions? I love this quote from Mary Poplin. Serving the poor shatters our indifference to God and humanity, critiques our privilege, and disturbs our comfort. Do you need to be disturbed? All right. That's all I have. I do have my card up here if you're interested, and then if you're interested in that course I was talking about, I have information about that too. If not, I think it's almost dinner time, so go enjoy.